more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE, supporting small and medium-sized businesses by creating greater freedom for them to succeed. I'm Ron Baker, along with my good friend, Verisage Institute colleague and co-host, Ed Kless. And folks, on today's show, we will be doing the Experts Speak, which I've been really looking forward to. Ed, this is uh, just a great topic. I've really been looking forward to this. Yeah, no, this is going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be disjointed, just to warn you, as more disjointed than we normally are. <laughs> even even more disjointed than Free Rider Fridays? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I know, the, the, these topics do take us all over, but let, let's just at least set this up in some type of organized fashion. Folks, we are specifically looking at a book here called The Experts Speak, The Definitive Compendium of authoritative misinformation. And it's written by two interesting guys, Christopher Cerf and Victor Navosky. And it's a 1998 expanded and updated edition. I think it, it first came out in 1984 or something, right? But then they, That's right. They, mm-hmm. they expanded it. And the authors are kind of interesting. Uh, Cerf was a National Lampoon contributing editor. He was also a contributor to Sesame Street, uh, and Surf uh, and Navasky, sorry, was the editorial director of the Nation. But they also created an institute, which I, I just love this: the Institute of Expertology, <laughs> which is the, <laughs> the institute that houses all of these uh, this body of knowledge, if you will. And, and what's interesting about it is they do rely on a lot of different scholars, a lot of them historians, you know, people like our Arthur Schlesinger Jr. and just, just a whole bunch of other people where they've gathered all of these uh, different quotes that, that they give you throughout history in the book. And so it, it is, it, they do try and verify every single quote, the original sources based on the historical records. So it is a fairly accurate um, recounting of these quotes, although I have found, since I've read the book yet, I've found a couple of things that are incorrect. Yes, I, and I, I think that that's true. I think that there's there's some that have been debunked, and then I think there's also some, and we'll we'll go through a couple of these, where they were critical of the person making this statement or quote, and it turns out that now, what, uh, 17 years hence or so, uh, they were wrong. 
Right. So, <laughs> but what one thing, folks, that I you know it's is really hard to convey. But the book is hysterically funny, and and part of that is, of course, because we're reading it in hindsight and we can already connect the dots. But I read this book back in 2000, Ed, and I remember being on a trip with my then partner, Justin Barnett, and uh, because the hotel didn't have any additional rooms, he had to bunk with me, and he actually stayed up an entire night and read this book in one sitting, and I just remember he was just laughing uncontrollably at, at some of the lines, so it is a very entertaining read. It is. It's kind of a thick book, but I have to say that I, you know, had seen part of it. We had talked about it in the past, but I just got purchased my copy since it's not available on Kindle. Kind of boohoo on that. Right. But, <clears throat> but what what I what I found is you could you really can plow through this relatively quickly because you're you're it's there's a lot of a lot of white space as they say. It, there is, and I and I do like the way it's sorted too. You know, it's sorted religion and civilization and invention and wars and different things. So if you, if you're in, interested in one particular topic, it's pretty easy to find. It's also got a pretty useful index too of everybody they mention. Yeah, no, it does. Now, curiously, I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but this is a, a now a print-on-demand book, Ron, because it actually says in my copy that mine was printed on the fifteenth of August, two thousand fifteen. Oh, wow. It okay. says that in the back of the book. I thought that was pretty interesting. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure I found mine at a Borders, Ed, back when there used to be Borders. Remember that? Yeah. What is Borders? <laughs> What's a bookstore? Track, I know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But Ed, set up the introduction because I know they lay out some uh, different levels of experts and expertise in the introduction. So why don't you walk us through that? Sure. And the, the first thing that I want to say about this is I, what, I, what I was reminded of this as soon as I even began reading the book was a great quote from Richard Feynman, who you and I both like, uh, the Nobel laureate physicist. And he, he said this about expertise. He said, science is the belief in the ignorance of experts. <laughs> and you know, and look, this is not to say, first of all, that we think, and then the authors of the book say this too in the introduction that that all experts are wrong all the time. That's absurd, right? right. We do we do rely on expertise, and and I think that that's in many cases a good thing. But I do believe that what this does is raise a flag of caution to say, okay, yes, we have these experts, and yes, they know a lot. But sometimes they are susceptible, just like the rest of us, to, as you say, would say black swans or, or things that just come out of the blue or really just a, a lack of, of insight and knowledge uh, that, w- that can't be predicted. So, But uh, to set this up, they, they, I think this is interesting. They set up three different types of experts. Actually, uh, there's a fourth uh, one, two, but let me talk about the first three. They say experts on the past, experts on the present, and experts on the future. And a quick example, the expert on the on the past, they say, is the Archbishop of Armagh, who said that the world was created on the second, 22nd of October, 4004 BC at six o'clock in the evening. <laughs> Yep. Very, very specific, <laughs> specific expert on the past. For the expert on the present, they use a, an interesting, a Walter Libman who wrote in on April 27, 1948, that among the really difficult problems of the world, the Arab-Israeli conflict is one of the simplest and most manageable. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and then finally, our expert on the future that, uh, and I love this one, October 30th, 1995, the Wall Street Journal's editorial said, Bill Clinton will lose to any Republican who doesn't drool <laughs> on stage. <laughs> right. 
Then they also identify this fourth type of experts kind of outside the realm of this and what they call it. I love the name of this, the subjective conditional expert. And this is a guy who is a chiropractor in 1920 said that had ex-Kaiser Wilhelm received a chiropractic adjustment adjustment for whatever abnormal conditions from which he was suffering, the world war would have been averted. <laughs> I'm like, that's okay. And, all right, so those are the, the types of experts or kinds of experts. And then they identify, I think, interestingly enough, uh, types of expertise, which they call as descriptive, prescriptive, and then predictive. So the descriptive, they give an example of a dial press editor who said that there's not much demand for animal stories in the U.S. upon reading George Orwell's Animal Farm. Mm-hmm. The prescriptive type of expert who said the, f- the sound of the flute will cure epilepsy. This is, of course, as a Greek philosopher, uh, Theophratanus, in 275 B.C. And then the third, the predictive expert, which is they attribute to Flora Lewis, New York Times uh, readers, any realistic uh, sense of the world today that it would be clear that it is that isn't going to be any German reunification in this century, nor probably in the lifetime of anyone who can read this. And that was 1984. So pretty interesting thing. And then they make one last point that I think is especially important for those of us who are who play around on Facebook a lot. And, And I really like this point. And I never really thought about it until I read the book. They said, while argument ad hominem is frowned upon, argument ad uh, verdendium, which is the argument in the form of authority, is celebrated. And I think that mm-hmm. that's a really terrific point. I mean, how many times do you, you know, just scroll through your, your feed on Facebook and you just see, you know, quotes of people being pulled out, and including my most famous one, which is, you know, uh, you shouldn't read, believe everything that you read on the internet attributed to Lincoln. So right. Right. <laughs> it, it is interesting, and thanks for that. That's really helpful to set this up. I, I really like that. Uh, what, what's really another intriguing context for me is we've always been skeptical of experts when they step outside of their domains, right? So when a physicist, you know, pontificates on politics or economics, and that, I think most people are kind of weary about that. But What's interesting about this book, I think, is you see a lot of people, even in their domains, are getting it wrong. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and wrong over and over and over again. And then even contradictory things. Right. Right. Yeah, no, this is, this is just really fascinating. And, and you've, you've already mentioned a couple that I pulled out. I mean, the Bill Clinton will lose to any Republican. <laughs> <laughs> no. But just, Whoops. just thought, you know, it was also said that FTR will be a one-term president um, by Mark Sullivan, who was a New York uh, Herald t- Tribune columnist. And he said that in 1935. And, and of course, William Randolph Hearst, no dummy, said the race will not even be closed. Landon will be overwhelmingly elected, and I'll state my reputation as a prophet on it. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I said this in 1936, right before FDR won 523 electoral votes. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. There, there's a lot of good stuff, especially on, on the depression and economics, and which I think is critical uh, for us to understand that, that uh, uh, economists, even way back when, they're not very good at predicting the future. Never have been, really. No, no. <laughs> it's, you know, it's kind of like uh, geologists, right? It's not necessarily, if, if it is a science, it's certainly not a predictive science. It's more of an explanatory science like, like geologists, right? They can't pick, predict the next earthquake, but they can explain them. 
Exactly. And that, I think that that is that, that that's an important thing to note because all too often we rely on what, what I think people do too much of is they rely on on experts for predictions of the future. And that's not what they're about. They are they're, they're really more about explanation than they are about prediction. And that's in any field of study. Right. I don't think that there's there's anyone who is expert enough to, to be considered a futurist. I mean, you know, my my favorite expert on the subject is, is of course, Yogi Berra, who said predictions are very difficult to make, especially about the future. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm always, you know, when I was in Australia last year, I, I heard uh, a self-declared futurist um, speak. And I, I just, I, I sat there in wonderment saying, how, how can anybody declare themselves a futurist? I mean, w- would you really want to be able to predict the future? I mean, shouldn't that be part of the joy of life as it takes us by surprise? Yeah, and no doubt. I mean, I, I I like prognostication. I like trying to think about what's going to happen. I'm a big believer in, you know, I've probably made predictions on this show. I'm sure I have sure. Uh, about things like the driverless car. I, in fact, I know I made a wrong one about the, the results of the Obamacare decision and, and the Supreme Court. So, you know, and I'm uh, venturing outside. So they're fun. They're fun to do. But I hope that no one took me seriously and went to the bank and said, OK, let's bet on the to the uh, bet, bet the bet the house on Kless's prediction on the Supreme Court result. I mean, <laughs> and and what's really funny, Ed, when all these political pundits, you know, the intellectual class, if you will, who who deal in ideas, it it seems like when they make predictions, you know, they're never really called out on it. You know, nobody ever calls them out on the carpet for their wrong predictions. And of course, if they were right, they will remind you over and over and over. So that's one of the things I really appreciate about this book. They're recording it for posterity. Yes, <laughs> and we're like going to take yes, and we're going to take a couple of them down on the rest of the show. But right now, we're already up against our first break, Ron. This is unbelievable. Going quick, we haven't even really started talking about the quotes. Uh, uh, but we want to remind you that the new thesoulofenterprise.com website is up and running, and I have posted all of the show notes. I've been delinquent in that, so if you haven't checked us out in a while, please go do so. You can get a hold of us at. TSOE at Verisage.com if you'd like to send an email to myself or Ron. Of course, we do monitor the hashtag, ask TSOE during the show. But right now, we want to hear from our sponsor, Leading Results. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Is your website just a brochure, or is it your best salesperson? If your site is not the best lead generation tool you have, we should talk. We are leading results. We build websites and marketing programs that impact your bottom line. Using HubSpot or WordPress, we'll create a website and supporting marketing program that gets your business found, converts web visitors to leads, and provides clear tracking on what is and is not working. Learn about our team and approach to your success. Visit leadingresults.com slash TSOE to find out more. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. 
the business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Kless. To find out more about our show, visit Verisage.com. You may also tweet us at Verisage. That's V-E-R-A-S-A-G-E. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And we're talking about the experts speak here on The Soul of Enterprise. That's hashtag AskTSOE if you're following along on Twitter. And of course, TheSoulOfEnterprise.com. Ron, I want to take you through a, a quick uh, set of quotes here that I, I thought was hysterical. It's a good transition from maybe talking a little politics to talking about economics. This is uh, by a politician who said, ready? There are only two ways to reduce the budget deficit. We must do both. He said that in April of 1987. In September of 1987, he said this. There are only three ways to reduce the deficit, <laughs> and we must do all three. And then finally, in August of 1988... He said, there are only four ways to reduce the federal budget deficit. We must do all four. This was uh, candidate and then nominee Michael Dukakis in 1988. And look, in all fairness to Mr. Dukakis here, I I think this is a a classic case of just escalation as it got closer and closer (laughs) to to the election that there were more and more things. And hey, listen, this is a Democrat who wanted to reduce the federal be- uh, budget deficit. So I'm kind of all in favor. Let's go. Let's bring back Michael Dukakis for president. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's really funny. I mean, you can you can really uh, pillory the uh, the politicians in this, can't you? Because they, they make a lot of contradictory statements and a lot of false predictions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and we all we chalk a lot of that stuff up to campaign rhetoric. But you know, some of it, some of it is pretty important. And I think we're going to talk a little bit later there's a whole segment on war and predictions around that so right just just on economics ed and i just have a few here because again they're all of these topic folks are really well covered in the book with a lot of different quotes from a lot of different sources but one that really sticks out is from irving fisher who of course was a yale economist and and just thought absolutely brilliant i mean this guy was a genius, really, um, did a lot of work in monetary economics. And in October seven, on October 17th, 1929, here's what he said. Stocks have reached what looks like a permanently high plateau. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course, one week later, you know, it was, it, there was a $6 billion crash in yeah. the stock market. Um, and also the U.S. Department of Labor. So, so let's, uh, let's pick on the governmental department here. In its New Year's forecast on December 1929 said, 1930 will be a splendid employment year. <laughs> yeah. What was the unemployment rate in the 1930s? It was got as high as 25 percent reported, and and you know a lot of people say that if we measured it that the way we do now, it would be significantly higher. So, uh, pretty pretty interesting stuff. I mean, because back then, of course, you're not taking into account probably any any um, any women. Right, right. Uh, yeah. Counted in the statistic at all? Uh, you know, people basically people who wanted to work, and at that point, just about anybody would would have gone to work in some way. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, by the way, Fisher in 1930, he he held on. I'll give him credit. He held on because he said this in 1930. Now, for the immediate future, at least, the outlook is bright. So he was <laughs> he was not. Not gonna let it go. He was falling off the the building and still saying, "I'm doing okay." Halfway. Yeah. 
1959, here's another institution, the managing director of the International Monetary Fund said, in all likelihood, world inflation is over. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody once said that economists were put on earth to make weather forecasters look good. Yeah. And I think in a lot of ways they do. And again, you know, this whole point is uh, th- that economists are, are better at trying to explain what happened rather than predicting what will. You know, we still run through this today, right, with our, our friend from for the, the Krugtron, as he likes to call himself. Right. Uh, from from the, who who it, all the time dabbles in these predictive things and and has been proven wrong over and over again and then tries to, uh, to even recycle what what he he has said and make make himself out in a better light and I, look I got no problem a lot of the things that he talks about he's he's correct on in some ways but what he he never he never does is really bring it out to the more to the general, right? He's only talking about the very specific. So yes, if we raise minimum wage in New York City, we'll see wages of people who are in those the, in those jobs go up. Yeah, well, yeah, probably. But what we won't see is the people who either didn't get jobs because of the increase or the people who were fired because of it. So, Right, or the jobs that weren't created because of it. <clears throat> exactly. Uh, the seen and unseen. <laughs> yep, and that's that's the big thing is that, that – uh, Krugman and his ilk, and I don't mean to pick specifically on him. He just is the probably the most highest profile. It, it, it does never takes into the account the unseen. I mean, just completely ignores it almost all the time. Right, right. Uh, really fascinating. Uh, I don't hold uh, much stock for economic predictions. They, <laughs> they get they get really humorous when you carry them out a couple decimal places too. That's how you know the economist has a sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, and that's one of the things that they that 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 uh, Surf and Navasky point out in the the beginning of the book too is that always be careful of the predictions with with the preci- precision in numbers. <laughs> Precisely wrong, right? Yep. Rather than yep. approximately right. Exactly. Ed, let's let's jump to maybe a more fun. Uh, what I thought was a more fun topic was just the whole kind of Hollywood entertainment you know, aspect of this. I mean, things like, you know, a period novel about the Civil War. Who needs the Civil War now? Who cares? (laughs) (laughs) Herbert Myers, the editor of the Pictorial Review, turning down a pre-publication offer to serialize Margaret Mitchell's novel, Gone with the Wind, in 1906. I mean, how many great quotes are are bunched in, in here? Oh, fantastic! I, I really did enjoy the entire pop culture section because they they, I mean, they have all they, it, they they bounce back and forth from from things like uh, even literature. And actually, there was one that I really agree with. I got to tell you, I was like, well, I don't think this is wrong. <laughs> and that is, this was a, a review of Moby Dick who said, "Moby Dick is sad stuff, dull and dreary or ridiculous. Mister Melville's Quakers are the wretchedest dolts and drivelers, and his mad captain is a monstrous bore." I'm like. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> there might be a few people who disagree, but yeah. I <laughs> I'm, I'm and, with you on that one. <laughs> and uh, the I like Lawrence Brand who said, 1984 is a failure. <laughs> yeah. Turning down George Orwell's book. And, <laughs> yeah, and he was also turned down for Animal Farm. Yes, I've turned out for Animal Farm, and and uh, there's there a lot of interesting. What? Well, okay, this one's kind of outside the the scope, if you will, but it did it, it related to literature. I think this is in a sidebar, even in the book, as this is like a very bizarre quote. Ready? It says 
quite a number of people describe the German classical author Shakespeare <laughs> as belonging to English literature because, quite accidentally, born in Stratford on Avon, uh, he was forced by the authorities of that country to write in English. <laughs> this is from the New York National Socialist magazine, eighteen forty. I was like, "What?" <laughs> so, oh, that's uh, great. Yeah, no, and but he, th- and then they did. They go on to talk about Broadway, which I thought was interesting. The Broadway musical Grease. You know, I don't think we can do anything with these reviews. It's a disaster. Close it. You know, <laughs> which of course Gr- Grease went on to be the longest running show in its time on in Broadway history. Right. <laughs> And, and, of course, I love the uh, MGM executive at Fred Astaire no. screen test. Can't act, can't sing, balding, can dance a little. Yeah, he's so-so. <laughs> he was, he's all right. He's all right. <laughs> and even better, though, the United Artist exec who's, who said, Ronald Reagan doesn't have that presidential look. And <laughs> decided not to cast him as president in a movie. Yeah, in the movie The Best Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and try 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 another profession, any other, which was advice given to Lucille Ball. <laughs> yeah. 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 And yeah. you I'd love this one. You'd better learn secretarial work or else get married, which is uh what what the modeling agency told Marilyn Monroe. Yes, she had the great unfortunate name, Emmeline Snively was yeah. <laughs> the per that person's name, which I, I think is just the if you're gonna utter a ridiculous quote like that that you should have a name like Emmeline Snively that's good I also found it really interesting that Decca recording which I think I've subsequently learned uh, they told the Beatles we don't like their sound groups of guitars are on the way out Uh I think it's correct that Decca turned the Beatles down twice not just once but twice and that was what they told them the first time and I love uh, Keith Moon giving advice, uh, the drummer of The Who, giving um, advice to Jimmy Page about his new band, You'll Sink, not like a lead balloon, but even faster, like a Led Zeppelin. Yeah. <laughs> they took that, of course, as the name. <laughs> name of the band, yeah. Yeah, and a lot of, lot of artists on artists. I think the, 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 the best one-two punch in the book, and I don't know if you picked up on this, because they were not connected in the book. You just had to kind of make it as you were reading it through, is, is this quote, a critic of Edward Manet, right? The mm. painter, French painter, mm. who said, uh, you scarcely knew if you were looking at a parcel of nude flesh or a bundle of laundry, which... <laughs> Because if you're going to be a critic, that's a great way to go. But, okay, so so that way you're like, okay, we didn't like his work, etc. Art is subjective, I suppose. But then Edward Manet on Renoir <laughs> said this. He has no talent at all, that boy. Please tell him to give up painting. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the uh, Jim Dent, uh, who was it? Jim Denny, the manager of the Grand Old Opry, telling Elvis... You ain't going nowhere, son. You ought to go back to driving a truck. <laughs> wow. wow. But how about, Ed, I wanted to ask you about yeah. Phil Wrigley, the owner of the Chicago Cubs, saying that night baseball is just a fad, yeah. a pant, well, passing fancy. Is it true that most baseball games are shown at night now? Oh, that- yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, the 90% of them. In, in in fact, you know that well. And Wrigley Field did hold on. I I, I don't know. I can't recall the exact date. I think it was ni- the the nineteen nineties, nineteen ninety four, ninety five, when Wrigley Field finally got lights. So really? he they, yeah, they wow. held that back. And Chicago Chicago was very 
uh, prideful of that fact for the longest time. You know, Wrigley has now, as I said, added added lights, and uh, but even even now, like all all playoff games. Uh, or World Series games, I should say, are all at night, and there's there's a lot of people who think that you know that's ridiculous, especially when they fall on a Saturday or Sunday. That they you know let's 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 have a couple of day games, and in many cases they're they're having them as, at such a late hour that 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 kids on the East Coast uh, really can't stay up and see them. You know, mm-hmm. which which mm-hmm. is I think a, a problem from that perspective. But uh, while while on the subject of baseball, and before our next break here, I, I did pick up on a couple of these that I want to to share sure. uh, with you. That my first of all, Robert Ersay, who is the the uh, pr- uh, owner of the 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 Colts, um, said about John Elway as he traded him, he'll never be any good. So I think that was. <laughs> <laughs> like a big oops, and then the New York Times said uh, this about Willie Mays. He's just so-so in center field. Eh, just so-so. Uh, but but perhaps the biggest uh, understatement, and I like this one because if you know the history of this, you really get a feel for this expertise. A guy by the name of Tris Speaker, who is a, a, a Hall of Fame player in his own right, uh, in the at the turn of the nineteenth uh, the nineteenth century or 20th century, turn of the 20th century, so early 1900s, and then became manager of the Cleveland Indians, said, said this, he great, made a great mistake when he gave up pitching. Working once a week, he might have lasted a long time and become a great star. And, of course, this was about Babe Ruth. <laughs> you know. Uh, you know, reading some of these just totally makes you humble. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, exactly. And, 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 you know, baseball experts have been, been proven wrong and wrong and wrong. And we've, we've ta- documented that on this show too, the whole sabermetrics stuff and, uh, the, the, the Ch- Michael Lewis and his book Moneyball and, and, and the impact on business. So yeah, there's some, there's some really good stuff out there. Oh, this is fascinating. Well, Ed, this is this is just flying by as I knew it would. This is such a great topic. But folks, I'd like to remind you, you can contact Ed or myself at Ask. T-S-O-E at verisage.com and we do receive your emails and, and we actually reply to all of them and we do have an email Ed, that I want to share maybe after we come back from the break and uh, folks we know a lot of you listen on demand and we'd really appreciate it if you could give us a review on iTunes that really does help the show but now we want to hear from our sponsor um, it's Peter Wolf's Azamba, and it's also Peter Wolf's birthday. So happy birthday, Peter. Happy big birthday, shout- Peter. <laughs> big shout out to you. And uh, folks, we'll be back after we hear from Azamba. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. What if you could close more business with less effort and do it faster? What could your people accomplish if they had their own personal assistant keeping track of meetings and reminding them of follow-ups? What would it mean to have a perfect view of what your team and your prospects and your customers are doing? What if you could run your business from anywhere? You can have it all. Visit www.azamba.com forward slash soul today to find out how. That's azamba, A-Z-A-M-B-A dot com forward slash soul. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the foreword changed your life? Me neither. 
Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the foreword to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its foreword. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the foreword and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Kless. To find out more about our show, visit Verisage.com. You may also tweet us at Verisage. That's V-E-R-A-S-A-G-E. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And please, folks, uh, visit thesoulofenterprise.com where we have our show notes as well as previews of upcoming shows. And you can also listen to any of our previous recorded shows on that site as well. And take a look at the Soul of Enterprise book. Those of you that have read the book, thanks for your reviews. And those of you that haven't, please take a quick look at the book and, and make sure you get a review on Amazon.com. We really appreciate those as well. Uh, and I'm just a quick transition here. Last uh, sports quote, Ron, just because I have to say this, I'm, I'm required as a Mets fan to to sure. uh, share this quote with you. And that is the one thing I won't let happen to me is I won't let let a ball go through my legs. Bill Bill Buckner on the eve of the 1986 World Series. That's an inside shout out joke for my Met fans, uh, friends, Met fans out there. So but let's let's talk about like some of the in- inventions, because I think there's some pretty, pretty cool stuff on. On that, I'm gonna the the two quick ones that I want want to share right off the bat uh, because you know again under the heading of you know someone who who perhaps should have known better but didn't quite see it is Lord Kelvin. Yes. Right? Lord Kelvin. Yes. Right? So a, a great scientist in his own right. In fact, this Kelvin scale is named after him. But there's two two great quotes from him. One is this: X-rays are a hoax. Yep. Did not believe in the x-ray, thought that it was a whole bunch of crap. And and then he really must have had a thing against the whole electromagnetic spectrum because he said this, radio has no future. Right. <laughs> so he was really just anti, he was a much more into, you know, heat. <laughs> and right. thought that like heat was okay, but the electromagnetic spectrum, not not a big not a big believer in, in that at all. So it, 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 uh, my point being is experts are, are really about explanation and not prediction. So. Right. And, and, you know, I love the editor of the Daily Express in London who has got a gentleman down in the waiting room. And he says, for God's sake, go down to the reception and get rid of the lunatic who's down there. He says he's got a machine for seeing wireless. Watch him. He may have a razor on him. And of course, he was talking about John Logie Baird, the inventor of television. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. you could just chronicle that. There's an endless. I mean, didn't uh, the guy who invented Xerox wasn't he turned down by just countless places mm-hmm. before he started that company? And and you know, it's it's funny. Even even Albert Einstein said there is not the slightest indication that nuclear energy will ever be obtainable, it would mean that the atom would have to be shattered at will. Mm-hmm. And this was in 1932. Right. 
Right, not you know, not long before it, it, it got figured out, and and that's and, and Einstein just an absolute brilliant mind, and you know this leads to the whole the whole conversation of you know what happens to our brains as we age and get older, uh, it, do we do we develop an inability, uh, what is it called, neuroplasticity, to be able to accept and learn new things? I mean, is it a, is it, is there an actually a physiologic impediment for us? Yeah, I think it's a really good question because if you look at the weight of history, it certainly seems to be that most of the great inventions are, you know, from people from 40 and below. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds ageism, but that it's the it's it's overwhelming the empirical evidence for this. Of yeah. course there's outliers, but they're just that, they're outliers. I I do love what uh, Napoleon said to Robert Fulton, the inventor of the steamship. He said, "What, sir?" You would make a ship sail against the wind and currents by lighting a bonfire under the deck. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to work. What's wrong with you? <laughs> and you got to love the Titanic's deckhand who responded to a passenger's question, is this ship really unsinkable? And he said, God himself could not sink this ship. Yeah. And that was on Oops. April 10th. Of yeah. 1912, four days before it struck the iceberg. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, well, and, and it's not limited to you know. It, you know, there's a lot of government thinkers in this too. There was one uh, uh, British Parliament report that talked about Edison and said Edison's ideas are good enough for the trans our, our transatlantic friends, but unworthy of the attention of practical or scientific men. And and I wonder how much of this was just a a, a prejudice uh, against. American thought, because there's a number of these. There's like, you know, Admiral Foch was saying, you know, you, there's, no, there's no way that like a tank could absolutely be possible or you, there's no way you can sink uh, a, a ship uh, with an right. airplane ever. You know, right. so there's lots of stuff like that that were very anti-American um, at, the, at, at the turn, you know, in the early 1900s. Uh, pretty interesting, I think, on that. So Yeah, you know, Edison even got a couple stuff wrong. He said at one point that the phonograph is not a, of any commercial value. Yeah. And, and he also said the radio craze will die yep. out yep. in time. And I thought that was that was really intriguing because I know later on he did see great use for the phonograph because he thought it would he basically thought it would displace textbooks in, in schools. Yeah, because we would just listen to stuff instead. I mean, and you know, now now we're we're seeing perhaps the emergence of that for, with with iTunes U and going beyond uh, that. But you know, the, the this the situation is, and look, we have this with the, with the radio show. Um, people ask, well, why do we put a book together of, of of the radio show as well? Because you can you can read a lot faster than you can listen. Correct, and you also have a record of it. You can search it and and mm-hmm. all of that. Um, it is pretty funny. I thought Rutherford B. Hayes, uh, who after yes. being shown the first telephone, said, "That's an amazing invention, but who would want ever want to use one of them?" Yeah, I don't need that. <laughs> I definitely don't need that. Oh, and and people who like the, there's a bunch of them on the computer too. I'm just going to go quickly through this. Yes, but but the the first one, of course, is just a one word quote by uh, Sir Sir George Bedell A. Airy upon seeing Charles Babbage's first computer. He said. Worthless, 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 <laughs> worthless, get out of my sight. Uh, and then along those lines, we have Joe Keenan, who is the president of Atari. Get your feet off my desk. Get out of here. You stink. We're not going to buy your product. That was, of course, to Steve Jobs. And 
<laughs> of course, Josh, Keenan Josh was president. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he was president of Atari, right? And they were ah, trying yeah. to sell the computer ah. to them. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And, and it, it, even the president of DEC, Digital Equipment Corporation, said, "There's no reason for an individual to have a computer in their home." <laughs> I mean, right. really? Come on. How, how, how about Robert Lloyd um, saying, "What the hell is it good for?" After being shown the microprocessor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We got to do a whole show on that. That is a fascinating uh transition that happened back there uh, it, when we went to the, the over to micro microchips. Really really interesting work done by that that group uh the Fairchild 8. Right, right. And of course Ed, the the one that got the biggest laughs at least a while ago was 640k ought to be enough memory for anybody. <laughs> and of yeah. course that's Bill Gates. <laughs> That's disputed, though, isn't it? I think that's disputed. It, I think that is one of those that is disputed. And, of course, even if he said it, he was the biggest hog of your memory. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I think that you know, it ought to be enough for anyone in what context. Probably for right now, you know, he, he probably he saw. He, he, I'm, I'm sure, uh, I know he was aware of Moore's Law and knew that that, that was going to continue on. So there, I don't think there's any any. Any question about that? So I, I, I'll put that one in the disputed category. Right. Gotcha. I agree. Um, you know, the other thing that was really, really disputed was just man's ability to fly. Mm. Even the Wright brothers, uh, Wilbur told his brother Orville, man will not fly for 50 years. Now, of course, after reading the book that um, David McCulloch wrote on him, you know, they, were, they got discouraged at some points, of course, because, you know, you have that many failures and crashes. Um, but they stuck with it. So their actions didn't necessarily <laughs> correspond with their thinking or their words here. Well, and I think that the transportation section was interesting. There seemed to be a theme. There's a couple of these quotes, but I just have one here from Dr. Dionysus Lardner, who in 1855 said, rail travel at high speed is not possible because passengers will be unable to breathe and die of asphyxia. So, so you know, there's this this and then there's there's stuff then in there about airplanes, and then there's uh, the stuff about rockets, and uh, that your brain would explode if you if you you know flew right. and was re- required uh, to the the speed that was required. So pretty interesting. Yeah, very much so. And some of these, like William Henry Pickering, you know, the American astronomer at Harvard said, you know, the popular mind of often pictures gigantic flying machines, you know, carrying people across the Atlantic. Not going to happen. Yeah, not, <laughs> so not going to happen. You know, these, these were just really smart people, but again, just couldn't, couldn't fathom some of these things. And, and, uh, that's, and the same thing with the moonshot, wasn't it? Boy, some of the predictions about what would happen about going to the moon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. in, including Dr. Lee DeForest, who said men will never reach the moon regardless of all future scientific advances. And that was in 1957. Right. I mean, you know, so, all right, 13-year window, I suppose. You know, so it's uh, – and again, there's, uh, there's lots of people who had areas of expertise, like one by this guy, who I think may have been the best secretary of the Navy we ever had who said it is unlikely that an airplane or fleet of them could ever think of see, think think of uh, sinking a fleet of navy vessels under battle conditions and of course that was fdr <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah some of the um, you know former chiefs of 
army or naval intelligence or whatever. I mean, I remember seeing this one from uh, William T. Polston. The Hawaiian Islands are overprotected. The entire Japanese fleet and Air Force could not seriously threaten Oahu. This was in August of 1941. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, it, it is it is pretty humbling, especially when you have the president of the Michigan Savings Bank telling uh, Horace Rackman, who was Henry Ford's lawyer, not to invest in the Henry Ford Motor Company because he says the horse is here to stay, but the automobile is only a novelty, a fad. Yeah. I mean, one of the one of the things the authors point out is anybody who who uh, dismisses something as a fad, it usually hangs around a lot longer. <laughs> yes. Yes, fat, fat is, is one of those operative words. You have to watch out for that. Luckily, Rackman ignored uh, the, the guy's advice and bought five grand of the stock, and he sold it several years later for $12.5 million. So. Oh, good for him. But, Ed, we have to uh, jump to our next break. But, folks, in the meantime, we would like to remind you that, to visit thesoulofenterprise.com, and we will post full show notes and give you some of these quotes that we're rambling off and, of course, link to the book and maybe some other interesting things. But in the meantime, we want to hear from Ed's employer, Sage. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Four new employees. A 20% increase in revenue. Being one of the 9 million women business owners in the U.S. These are your proudest numbers, your landmarks of growth and success. Sage helps you achieve business milestones with cloud and software solutions that lead to deeper financial insights. Believe in your numbers. See what Sage can do for your business. Visit believeinyournumbers.com today. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the foreword to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its foreword. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the foreword and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Kless. To find out more about our show, visit Verisage.com. You may also tweet us at Verisage. That's V-E-R-A-S-A-G-E. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're here doing The Experts Speak, a really fun book that uh, Ed and I had a lot of uh, enjoyment reading and going through with you and sharing some of these quotes with you. But I would like to uh, give a shout out to Artie. Artie, who sent us an email, he said, I'm a huge fan of the soul of enterprise, and he's a budding entrepreneur. So he started a business, and he said, what I really love about your guys' show is there's great practical advice, but there's also an infusion of motivation that I need sometimes when things just aren't going well. And boy, studying the history of uh, entrepreneurs, Ed, sometimes things don't go well, do they? No, they do not. <laughs> and he, he asked us uh, for some general uh 
general advice and some educational resources that might help him bone up on his uh, business skills or entrepreneurial skills. And I just wanted to share with you folks some of the things that uh, Ed and I suggested that he do. Uh, one thing that I that I really enjoyed, I recently read Peter Thiel's book, Zero to One, and I think that is a great book if you're involved in startups at all. I think there's some really interesting insights and good, good stories. We also suggest, of course, you read anything by Peter Drucker, and I would probably start with his classic, The Effective Executive, and also, of course, Stephen Covey. Uh, we also suggested our colleague Tim Williams' book, Positioning for Professionals, because it does such a great job laying out strategy. And, of course, uh, we also suggested Peter Block's book, The Answer to How is Yes. And, of course, how could I not mention, Ed, our book, The Soul of Enterprise. Uh, of course. <laughs> and and one more thing, the Simon Sinek talk too. Um, start with start why. With why? Yeah, yeah. that uh, just very inspiring. Great for any business to, of, of whether you're startup or mature. I mean, that's just a a wonderful topic to revisit every now and then to make sure that you're living your purpose. So, just wanted to give a shout out. Thank you so much, Artie, for for listening. And folks, we just love it when you email us and suggest topics or ask a question that we can deal with on a future show. We're happy to do that. Always happy to hear from you. Yep, absolutely. So thanks to Artie for that. So, Ron, I've got a couple here that I want to get through quickly because I think they have a bearing on today. Okay, excellent. So th- this one is uh, from from Marla Maples, who you may remember. <laughs> was <laughs> I, at I one point. remember that name, yes. Yeah, Marla Maples. On not on, This is on the fact that she did would refuse to have a prenup with Donald Trump. <laughs> Said, this relationship is going to be built on trust. So let's just take that to the bank, my friends, and think about what that is happening today. So yeah, there's some some and, interesting. And didn't divorce her shortly thereafter? Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> but you know the other one, that, and this is a series, and it, this is not the complete conversation. You have to read the book for it. But I, I want to. This is around the whole uh, Bill Clinton, Monica Lewinsky thing. All right. Mm-hmm. So this is when the when the whole I think the dress hit etc. So this is uh, a conversation. William Crystal says uh, he cannot survive because he's not telling the truth and everyone knows he's lying. It cannot go on long. Sam Donaldson then then pipes in and says uh, if he's not telling the truth, I think his presidency is numbered in days. It was clear that he was not telling the truth ultimately, right? Then George Will says his presidency today is dead. His moral authority is gone. Cokie Roberts says, okay, so he's out. What happens next? Donaldson says, what will President Al Gore do? <laughs> and Crystal, Crystal f- f- finishes up with, he'll select a very respectable figure as vice president, and he will have a big honeymoon. And what I, the, the lesson here is, with the, with the way that, that uh, uh, Hillary Clinton is handling this whole server problem, right? This is the Clinton strategy, which is you just wear people out right you Absolutely. you just you just hang on Scandal and fatigue. Scandal <laughs> fatigue. And you know what? They are he they're absolutely right. It's it, they are absolutely correct. There there were even some quotes I remember in the book about um when it was found out that he dodged the draft. They they were pronouncing his candidacy dead oh, yeah. even before over, he got elected. Over. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No. So, I mean, it's just, it's just incredible that, 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 you know, these, these have a, a, an impact, I believe, on, on today. So, uh, the per, and, and there's, there's a, a couple of them that are like that. 
Yeah, really interesting. Another quote, Ed, that I really liked, and this isn't in the book, by the way, but uh, it's along the same lines. The British journalist Anthony Kemp said on the 25th anniversary of the Berlin Wall that the probability is that the Berlin Wall will still be there for the 50th anniversary. Mm-hmm. And, of course, three years later, it was pushed over. Right. <laughs> right. No. It, it, yeah, it's it pretty interesting. So, um, you know, another one, another series that I really liked about this was the whole Castro thing. And when you consider that the guy's still around, right? The guy's, yes. Right. All right. Absolutely. Castro has been, been accused of communist sympathies, but this means very little at all since opponents of the regime are automatically called communists. In fact, he's farther to the right than General Baptista. Okay. Uh, and then, of course, General Baptista said, Ready? I give Castro no longer than a year. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of cruel dictators, uh, Field Marshal Paul von Hindenburg said, Hitler is a queer fellow who will never become chancellor. The best he can hope for is to head the postal department. (laughs) (laughs) And and speaking of the postal department, Ed, one of of the funniest lines, I think, in the book— is from Arthur E. Summerfield, who was the U.S. Postmaster, Postmaster General, who said, before man reaches, he said this in 1959, by the way, before man reaches the moon, your mail will be delivered within hours from New York to California to England to India or to Australia by guided missiles. We stand on the threshold of rocket mail. <laughs> <laughs> and you just think it's like, okay, dude, where were this? Where are they going to land, right? <laughs> the post office can't deliver a letter across town, right? <laughs> well, and then there was, you know, Samuel Morse tried to sell the to sell a telegraph to the post office, and then they're like, nah, we don't think nah, it's not going to work. Right, I'm I'm not satisfied that any under any rate of postage that could be adopted, its revenues would be made equal to his expenditures. Postmaster General rejecting Samuel Morris's offer to sell the telegraph to the U.S. government. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, what what's your overall take uh, after reading this book, Ed? What how do you how do you process all this? Uh, I th- I think that the 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 learning here is that. And I've said this multiple times on, on already, but I think that it, it bears repeating, is that expertise is more ab- about explanation than it is about prediction, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Now, that is not to say that experts, because especially the ones that, that they talk about with regard to the past, are necessarily any better at it, right? Um, in fact, there's a there's a, a couple of quotes in here and, uh, that I wanted to, to bring up uh, where, where Ronald Reagan is called to task for saying that Alaska has greater greater oil reserves than Saudi Arabia, and the book mm. made fun of them and, and said, okay, and that there is today there are sixteen billion, right, as opposed to five hundred billion in Saudi Arabia. So that's still true. However, if you now take it the shale oil potentially into account, yep, right, sure. ready. There's two point one seven five trillion barrels of oil potentially in the United States. Most of it in Alaska. So. You know, you have to you have to be careful. Even the the, the books, the expertise is c- can be wrong. But uh, I'll I'll let you finish up and get what your thoughts are. But I have to share this last quote because I thought this was the funniest one in the entire book. Talk about laugh out loud, and then I'll let you finish up. He said, "This is I have often thought that if there had been a good rap group around in those days, I might have chosen a career in music over politics." Ready, <laughs> Richard M. Nixon. 
<laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. One, one of my favorite and funniest uh, lines, I think, in the book is the diary entry from George III, the King of England, from July 4th, 1776. And his diary, diary entry was, nothing of importance happened today. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> so, yeah, and I agree. I, it's, it's really about explanation. And I think the, it just reinforces for me the point that creativity should take us by surprise. Other, you know, otherwise, we wouldn't need it. And, and that's the joy of life is creativity. So trying to predict the future is kind of a fool's folly. Not to say that we shouldn't um, you know, consult experts, but it's just not uh, – don't, 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 uh, don't expect them to be right about predicting the future. So, well, great show, Ed. What's on store for next week? Free Rider Friday. Right on. I, my stack of stuff is bulging. So uh, we have a lot of very interesting things to talk about. So I'll see you in 167 hours. Sound good. This has been the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage. Supporting small and medium-sized businesses by creating greater freedom for them to succeed. Join us next week, folks, on Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. We'll be doing our Free Rider Friday. In the meantime, feel free to visit us at thesoulofenterprise.com for more information. And we'll have show notes up. And you can also contact Ed and myself at asktsoe at verisage.com. Folks, thanks for listening and have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Yeah.